guys. Welcome back to The Spin Cycle, a special episode in our off season. Today, we're going to be talking about Barbenheimer and all the records that it has smashed and its wild success. Let's get into it. So I'm sure everybody is aware that both Barbie and Oppenheimer released into theaters on July 21st after like a year and a half of hype. And Oppenheimer is based on the 2005 biography um, that chronicles the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, an American theoretical physicist who was basically instrumental in developing the first nuclear weapons as part of the Manhattan Project essentially helped usher in the atomic age. While Barbie is about Barbie suffering an existential crisis that leads her to question her entire world and existence. So first, let's talk numbers. Barbie opened with a $351.4 million in the first two weeks in U.S. and Canadian theaters, which will soon make it the biggest box office hit of this summer. Every day that it is played, it's made at least $20 million. It also has outpaced Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight to be the best first two weeks in theaters of any Warner Brothers release. Its counterpart, Oppenheimer, earned an estimated $46.2 million in the first two weeks and held especially strong in its second weekend with sales decreasing only 44%. Um, it's already surpassed $400 million globally. And then together, more than 200,000 people purchased tickets to see Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day. <laughs> so 200,000 people um, did the double feature. Overall, domestic box office is estimated to be about $311 million. And then let's talk about all of the records broken by this very pivotal moment in our entertainment culture. Barbie had the largest opening weekend at the domestic box office this year with 162 million, breaking the Super Mario Brothers movie with 146.4 million. Barbie was also the largest opening weekend ever for a female director, which I believe broke Wonder Woman's record, and then the other one is Captain Marvel. So kind of crazy <laughs> that all of these are like based on toys. That seems to be like a really big draw for people. Um, I think that's like kind of a pattern with all of these is that um, people really like nostalgia. This is also the first time in history of the entire movie industry that a movie opened over 100 million and another movie opened over 80 million in the same weekend. Barbie is the largest opening weekend ever for a movie starring Margot Robbie or Ryan Gosling. Their previous most popular opening weekends were Suicide Squad and Blade Runner. And then Oppenheimer took in $82.4 million at the U.S. box office, which is the biggest opening for an R-rated movie this year. And it's also the biggest non-Batman opening for Christopher Nolan ever. Oppenheimer also saw the biggest opening weekend ever for a biopic surpassing Bohemian Rhapsody. According to CNN Business, 
Barbie and Oppenheimer have been such hits that their impact seems to be showing up in our economy. And this says that Bank of America cardholders increased their non-gas spending by almost 2% year over year during the week ending in July 22nd. It's also been interesting to watch how this Barbenheimer thing has really brought um, like a camaraderie to Hollywood amidst the strikes and everything looming. It seems like the stars of each of these films are going out of their way to show support for each other. Um, I guess that there were some rumors that like Tom Cruise was angry about um I don't know, like the release dates or something being close together um, to Oppenheimer. Um, and he was worried about having like attention stolen away from his movie or whatever. Um, Mission Impossible is coming out like Mission Impossible number 27. And um, once he, they once his camp like caught wind of that, they squashed that by posting a picture of him with you know, tickets to Oppenheimer and Barbie. And then that kind of sparked this whole, I don't know, like domino effect of all of the stars of these films, um, purchasing tickets to see each other's projects and posting about it, like basically um, kind of offering some like free promotion to each other's movies, which is really cool to see, especially at a time like this. So first, I want to talk about all the things that I loved about Barbie, and then I'm going to talk about all the things I loved about Oppenheimer, and then I'm going to talk about the things that I think could have been better about each. So first up, Barbie. I thought it was incredibly clever and witty while remaining really endearing. Um, I saw that Greta Gerwig did this interview, um, and I shared it on the Spin Cycle Instagram, where... She talks about um, how Margot and Ryan made the perfect Ken and Barbie because they were able to be really funny without like making fun of the characters. And she thought that they did like they did right by their characters by being like, you know, goofy and silly and funny and like poking fun at the situation without making like their making fun of Barbie or Barbie land or the characters, et cetera. And like towing that line really well. And I totally agree with, um, her like summation of that. I also suspect that that's probably one of the like creative differences Greta had with, or Greta and Margot, I suppose, because Margot is a producer had with, um, Amy Schumer. I assume that she was having a hard time being funny without like directly making fun of um the movie essentially i i assume that she couldn't do right by the characters and do right by the production and still be funny honestly like that's just kind of her whole shtick i also loved the set design and attention to detail all the casting all of the like logistics that went into it. I thought that it was like brilliant decision making. For one, I thought it was amazing that there's no CGI in Barbie Land. It's like built out like that. And especially the parts where they're like transitioning from Barbie Land to the real world and that whole journey they have to take. 
I thought it was so brilliant the way that they're like so clearly on these like very, um, I don't know, theatrical kind of mechanisms. As opposed to being like in front of a green screen and like on like a mechanical bull, like in like, you know, the Game of Thrones series or a lot of those um, more fantastical sets are like very much um, CGI heavy. And there was zero CGI in this movie, which I thought made it even more authentic to Barbie. Also, I think a lot of people expected it to be like a long commercial for Mattel or for Barbie or whatever, and it absolutely was not. And several members of the cast, including Will Ferrell, um, when he was like invited to join, um, (laughs) he said that when he read the script, he was like, this is such a great script, but it's never going to get made because um, there's no way Mattel's going to sign off on this. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. Like, Mattel's already on board. And he was shocked (laughs) to hear that. And I think there are a couple other people that um, kind of reflected the same sentiments, but it was funny specifically to hear that from Will Ferrell. I also think, like, culturally, it spoke to um, a very, like, prevalent um talking point within our society but also something that's kind of always been um in the background of american society is you know its treatment of women and i think that they illustrated kind of the positives and the negatives of barbie in a brilliant way where it's like well barbie is um the center of the universe in barbie land like Barbie land is where women run everything. Barbie has a million different jobs. She has her own house and her own car and she supplies, she like, she funds her own lifestyle. She's got friends, girlfriends, whatever. And then Ken's just kind of there. And, um, you know, that's something that Barbie has always been true to. But then of course there's the like unrealistic aesthetic, you know, beauty standards or whatever that come along with Barbie dolls. Um, however, they are in a category of dolls that are like specifically like fashion dolls. Um, so I get that while there is this like unrealistic expectation, it's also like, I don't know, like not supposed to look like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not like American girl dolls or like, um, any kind of like doll that's supposed to like reflect you, it's, um, supposed to be a little bit idealistic, but I totally like respect and understand, um, that kind of critique of Barbie dolls. So Oppenheimer, I thought was beautifully shot. I mean, I, I'm such a sucker for movies that are like visually, like breathtaking especially in the theater um I thought that it was like a full like sensory experience it was really loud typical Chris Nolan's films are always like about to bust your eardrums um it was really loud but it was so beautifully shot and I loved um the like cinematography of it all I also thought it was really beautifully casted. Um, There were some like surprise faces that I was like, oh, that makes sense (laughs) that he'd be um, in this. 
even though it wasn't necessarily um, promoted. I thought Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. Um, gave beautiful performances. Uh, specifically, Robert Downey Jr., I thought that this was maybe his best, like the role of his lifetime so far. Gus says hi. I also thought that it was a really like thoughtful story. They told so many elements of the story um, within three hours. Um, and I will get to the three hour thing in the cons. Don't you worry. Um, <laughs> but they did. They covered a lot of ground um, and they told a really like holistic story. And I was very impressed with how much they were able to um, like pack in there. And something that I will say that it did better than Barbie, I'd say, is being able to tell the story without either, like, the characters or the narrator, like, explicitly, like, calling it out. Like, there were a lot more, um, like, subtle, like, nods and things that the was on the audience to connect for themselves as opposed to it being, like, spelled out in the dialogue. And I... A lot of people are talking about how emotional Barbie is and how that took them by surprise. I totally agree with that. Um, but I was moved, especially by Oppenheimer, actually. Um, I thought that it was a really, like, complex story that did, like, definitely tug at my heartstrings. Um, first of all, just... The storyline of being brilliant and wanting to succeed in what you do, also wanting to help out your country and whatever, even if it, um, like, and having to, I guess, grapple with the, not just, like, idea, but the, like, fact that your work is going to result in people, specifically civilians, losing their lives, but also knowing that you're potentially saving other lives um, by putting a stop to this war. But at the same time, back then, they didn't know that it was going to work. <laughs> they didn't know um, whether or not it would result in either just like blowing up the entire world or starting some kind of like nuclear war. So that in itself was highly emotional. I think also Emily Blunt's performance was really complex and very raw emotionally. I really enjoyed um, the way, like what she brought to that role. So she played Robert Oppenheimer's wife um, and he does, spoiler alert, have an affair at some point and she harbors resentment against him for it forever, but like still remains extremely loyal to him. Um, so that was a really interesting look at like the role of the woman in this situation. Okay, now to the cons. First, Barbie. Overall, again, loved both these movies, but these are just the things I like that stuck out to me that I was like, oh, this could have been better. There were some scenes that I felt like were like not timed right editing wise. Like I felt like some scenes happened too early in the film. I think they were trying to like bring you full circle, if that makes sense, like take you on like a circular journey. However, I think it would have been better if a few scenes happened later on and like would have made sense when you saw them instead of it, you like 
you recalling it later. Um, number one, the like the old lady scene at the bus stop, I thought was a super cute and important scene, but I definitely felt like it happened way too soon in the film. Like it seemed kind of incongruous with what was happening around like that scene because there was a lot of like flip-flopping back and forth to different um like settings and that one particular scene um I felt like would have been way more hard-hitting had it happened toward the end of the film I also felt like the narrator was unnecessary and actually like surprised me at some points when she spoke because I would forget that there was a narrator. I also like am kind of anti-narrators in movies because that's what dialogue is for. (laughs) Um, Unless it's like, I guess, okay. The only time I'm okay with a narrator is when it's something like The Notebook where like, old Noah is like literally reading from a book um and like that's key to the story um but otherwise I'm like just not into narrators especially because there were so many characters um and like I guess I wonder if the reason that they needed a narrator is because they felt like they needed to explain like the connection between the Barbies and their real life counterparts. But I feel like that could have been explained through like the CEO or like the girls could have figured it out somehow. I don't think that it was like totally central to the story that there was this narrator. And then of course my bones to pick with Oppenheimer. Number one, that it's way too long. I I felt like the mistress affair storyline was like a little bit Um, indulgent I just I didn't need it I understood that they were trying to like illustrate all of his like communist connections but I felt like I I wanted a little bit more like insight into why he and his um you know circle had like how and why they got into the communist party and like what really drove them there um as opposed to like who each individual was that was like in his circle that had communist connections I um just felt like the the mistress storyline even though like the affair was necessary I didn't need like all the different scenes of the two of them together there is one like kind of shocking like graphic scene with Florence Pugh that I did think was like a good illustration of Um, Emily Blunt's like emotional state Um, so I didn't have a problem with that although I think some people are saying that it's kind of like gratuitous but I disagree it's all the other ones that I didn't need like (laughs) I didn't need to see them like um, I I didn't need to see their like post-coital chats or anything like that like it was just so um, not needed to me and I felt like that could have cut the movie down by like half an hour and it would have been better if I didn't have to go pee (laughs) during it. And then, like I said, I think I would have liked to have, like, more context into, like, the rise of communism in America and, like, what they were opposing. And, like, I think I would have liked a little bit more insight into the actual, like, political state, especially considering um, how it, like, resulted in his life after... Um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 
Ultimately, though, I think that both movies were incredible, complemented each other a lot. I really enjoyed both leads. Killian Murphy and Margot Robbie absolutely slayed the house down. Um, and as well as all of the supporting cast, Kate McKinnon and Michael Sarah were absolutely hilarious in Barbie. Like, I now want to see, like, a Kate McKinnon and Michael Sarah like, adventure comedy. I think that that would be so funny. Um, I also really enjoyed Margot Robbie and Kate McKinnon's chemistry on screen. Um, and then, obviously, Ryan Gosling. I mean, I, like, have not laughed so hard at a straight white man in my life. He absolutely killed the role of Ken. And um, I'm sure that if you've been on the internet, then you know about um, the push cover. It is definitely the best part of the movie. Um, It really captured, first of all, like the female experience of like having the guitar played at you <laughs> and just sitting there being like, oh, great, okay. Um, and like the choice of song being like something like totally disrespectful to women in general. Like that is just such a universal experience and I thought it was so funny. Um, and I mean, there are so many moments where you can tell that Ryan's improving, and his improv is really superb. He doesn't get enough credit as a comedic actor. He His range is incredible. He's super hot, and he's super, I guess, like self-aware as well. So um, really, like, shout out to him. I didn't talk about him enough in this podcast. <laughs> I'm realizing I talked about the women, uh, but shout out to Ryan Gosling as One other negative thing I'll say about Oppenheimer is that Emily Blunt's cheek filler was really distracting to me. She has so much cheek filler and it didn't look right in the like 1940s backdrop and it was really bothering me. Um, She doesn't need that. Nobody needs that much cheek filler. I have some cheek filler, so I'm not shaming um, filler users. I am literally just saying that Emily Blunt has way too much cheek filler. Please go look at an old picture of her and like the Devil Wears Prada and compare it to a picture of her in Oppenheimer and tell me that I'm wrong. You can't. You literally can't. Anyway, the movie was phenomenal. <laughs> Killian Murphy has earned like a the number one spot in my heart. Um, I have seen him in like all of Christopher Nolan's movies, basically. Um, and I've always really enjoyed him back since he was in Batman Begins as Scarecrow. Um, I think that he's wonderful. I didn't even know that he was Irish until like this year. That's <laughs> just crazy because of his name. But um, huge fan of his. He did a beautiful job, even just like without like a shit ton of dialogue like I would say that the person with the most lines my guess would be it's Matt Damon did a great job of acting with his like his face and his movements and his just like overall demeanor and I always really appreciate that in an actor overall I think that I liked Barbie slightly more only because I thought it was like really well-rounded and really thoughtful um I will say like I said that um Oppenheimer did a better job at storytelling both movies I think could have um trimmed the fat a little bit I think both had a little bit 
too much um, in it to really accomplish what they were trying to communicate. However, um, Barbie, I like there was not a second of that movie that I was not entertained. There was not a second of that movie that I was like confused. Um, it really was a like smooth, enjoyable ride for the entire duration of the film. And it was like a rare moment in the movie theater where I'm like not ready for the movie to end. Usually by the time a movie is ending, when I'm in the movie theater, I'm ready for it to be over and I've got to pee. <laughs> but that was not the case with Barbie. So that's why I am dubbing it my favorite of the two. Though if I were to give them like a rating, I'd probably rate both of them like an 8.5. If you haven't gotten out to see either Barbie or Oppenheimer yet, I highly recommend both of them and go do the double feature. But I mean, plan accordingly because Oppenheimer is long. So you're going to have to time your bathroom breaks. Okay. All right. I will see y'all next month. It's almost time for the spin cycle to make its season three return. So keep a lookout on Instagram for official dates and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. All right. See you next time. Love you. Bye.